Got to get it in. Dustin Smith. Jamari for three and the win. Yeah! He got it right. We are here to feel your Rockets news. It's a Rockets Field podcast. I am your co-host, LaShar Binkley. Of course, you can always find me on Twitter, at Binkley Hoops. And you can always find my rating work over at the SB Nation main site or the Dream Shake. And before we uh, introduce our special guest, I'm going to give my co-host a chance to introduce himself. All right, y'all. It's Vader. You can find me at Vader H-Town on Twitter and also Instagram. And like I just said, we have a special guest dropping by today. Of course, this is draft season. Uh some of y'all may know him. We've had him on uh, previous shows uh, before last draft um, happened and definitely one of the best when it comes to talking college basketball, I mean, even high school basketball. He pretty much covers it all. So uh, before we go into the show, I want to give our guests a chance to let you know where to find all his great content. You can follow me on Twitter at Tobias underscore Bass. That's T-O-B-I-A-S underscore Bass. That's the fish. And, of course, I mean, we I've been knowing you for a, a few years now, Tobias, and you're mm-hmm. definitely doing big things. You're over at the Athletic now. Uh, can you just give uh, our audience kind of an idea of some of the things you do on a day-to-day basis as far as covering basketball? Uh, right now, I guess the busiest time for me would be the transfer portal. The transfer portal is going crazy. You had over 1,700 kids put their name in the portal this year, and you'll probably see a couple more with the grad transfers over the next couple of days. So I've just been – Gathering info, seeing where those kids are going to land and trying to help, trying to find out where they're going to land up and helping them in the process as well. And same with high school. I've been covering a bunch of events this summer. I was actually in Dallas this past weekend covering the uh, EYBL. So I'll uh, I'll do that. Then I'll go to the Peach Jam in a couple of weeks as well. And I think we talked about this last time with the transfer portal, how it could be a good thing and a bad thing. Do you, do you kind mm-hmm. of still see it like going more towards – it could turn into a negative with so many players being in the transfer portal and not maybe going to teams that they thought they are going to be able to go to? Yeah, I think this year was a good example, whereas I think some of the coaches thought there would be better names to hit the portal. There were still good kids in there, but I think overwhelmingly, especially at certain positions as far as like big men and scoring guards, there weren't that many good players in there. So some of them, they're still waiting. I mean, it's May 9th, it's May, and they're still – waiting on some of these guards to get in there. So I think also from the other perspective is some of those kids are not going to find a school. I think last year it was around 400 or so that didn't find a new school. It'll be that same number again, roughly. So it's a, it's an adjustment on both, both ends. You just have to be able to manage it the right way. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It's not like a great idea when it first started, but you know, everybody's going to start taking advantage of it and that's just going to mean less spots to go around. Um, But of course we are here to talk about, the draft that will be happening in a couple of months. We finally got the draft lottery order. And, of course, most Rockets fans know by now the Rockets were not in that top three. They actually fell to four. And that's kind of where we're going to start today. Um, when you're looking at this draft, first, I want to start with that. With you, Tobias. What do you – what is, like, your top five? And then if you're the Rockets at four, would you – do you have no problem staying at four? Or would you look to try to move up and try to get a Scoot Henderson – um, at the you know, number two or number three, wherever he might end up uh, falling. But what's kind of your top five uh, when it comes to the draft order? Well, the top five, I mean, obviously we know the freak, you know, Victor Wimbenyata office is going to be number one. You got uh, Brandon Miller, I'm a big fan of. Scoot Henderson will have to be right in that group as well. I like the Thompson twins, 
but I'm probably going to go with another. I like Anthony Black, in my opinion. I think I think he's going to be really good. I might be a little bit biased. He's from Texas, so I might be a little bit biased. And I, I'm, I, I know him, so I'm, I might be biased. I like him as well. And then um, I like Cam Whitten, but I also like Taylor Hendrick. I also think Taylor Hendrick will be another really good one in this in this draft as well. And as far as just Cam Whitmore, do you think that, you know, he had a disappointing season last season? Uh, do you think that's why a lot of people aren't really talking about him in the top, you know, three or four picks? I, I know coming into the year, you know, his name yeah. was kind of everywhere, but now it's kind of seemed like a lot of people aren't really talking about Cam Whitmore nearly as much as they were at the beginning of the college season. Yeah, I mean, you remember the start of the season, I think he was projected to go like two. Yeah. But he started out the season with, I think, he had like a thumb injury or something like that. So he missed several games at the beginning of the season. He came back. He was okay. I think you could say that about a bunch of prospects in this class. You know, some of them were hurt or some of them just didn't perform like they thought. So this draft is very weird. So you have some teams. They're probably going to get a good value player maybe in the late teens. Maybe you might even see them in the early 20s. So I think this draft is um, pretty interesting in that in that way. And before we move on to uh, talk about who, uh, you know, Tobias would pick at four, uh, Vader, so what would be your top five, you know, now that we kind of had days to kind of settle down from the disappointment of falling all the way down to the number four pick? Okay, so uh, I'm glad you said he liked Brandon Miller because I've been fighting for my life on, on Twitter with, like, a lot of guys I know. Uh, a lot of them were kind of iffy on Brandon Miller uh, before the tournament and then after the NCAA tournament where he did not – he didn't play as well as he, you know, as as well as we would have liked to see him play. Like, they're, they're really low on, on Brandon Miller. And I, to the point where I'm like, you guys are way too long, like, way too low on Brandon Miller. They're, they're like, M- respectable NBA uh, scouts and respectable, like, NBA franchises that are talking about that they have Brandon Miller at number two on their board above Scoot Henderson. Um, and so, like, when they hear stuff like that, they get, like, really, like, there's no way a team, you know, that, that's any good has Brandon Miller above Scoot Henderson. And I'm like, it, it, it just kind of depends on what you're looking for. And it also kind of depends on uh, what you see those guys becoming when they do reach the next level. And so, like, I'm glad that I'm glad that you said that you do uh, like yeah. Brandon Miller. Like, what what is it that you see in Brandon Miller's game that, that, that has you still pretty high on him? I mean, I think he's a perfect fit for what the NBA is. So I remember watching him. This was 2020. It was during it was during the pandemic. It was like October. There was a Wooten basketball chemistry McDonald's All American evaluation event. He was just starting his junior season, and you know he didn't have that many offers at the time. I think he only had like six six offers at the time, and none of them were in the Big Twelve. None of them were in the SEC. And I said, this kid's a pro. I, I thought he was really really good. Then I even did a story on him back then. I thought he was really good, and I'm happy to see where he's become. But He's like six eight, six nine. Put the ball on the floor. Can shoot it from deep. Playmaker. You, that's perfect for what the NBA is today. And some of those players that you see in the NBA that are that size, that skill set, you're some of the better players in the NBA. I don't want to put that much pressure on or compare him to anybody, but I can see him trending in that direction to be a guy like that. Yeah, he he rebounds his position really well. Um, I think um, he still has like a lot of playmaking potential. Like he. You know, he didn't have the ball in his hands a lot and wasn't expected to to make plays a whole lot. I think towards the end of the season, it looked like they started giving him more of those opportunities to kind of showcase what he could do. And I thought he did pretty good. I mean, his his assist to turnover ratio is, is like pretty even. I think it's like yeah. two and two. But you see that with a lot of guys who come out of college. So, like, I think there's something there. Like, uh, people keep saying that he's like a he's like another Jabari Smith Jr., which 
Um, they say that in in a negative light as far as like a guy who yeah. you know is just gonna be a shooter and a defender. And I'm like that y'all not really even watching Brandon Miller for real because like he can put the ball on the floor. Like he he's much more advanced right now, you know, coming out of college in, in that regard than Jabari was. And Jabari's working on that. Um, and then like he he has like movement shooting too. It's not just follow. Right. Um, he's able to get it. He's able to get his own shot right now. Like he can get into the mid range. Like, I, there's just a lot of stuff I think that there is to like about Brandon Miller. Um, we obviously don't know what these guys are going to be. I mean, this is all projection, but like I do like Brandon Miller a lot. So, um, I mean, obviously, um, you know, if we if we go on with our top prospects, uh, Wimbayama, um, I do, uh, and, and this is gonna sound uh, kind of like maybe salty now, but like I I wanted Wimby because I knew Wimby would is like supposed to be this super generational guy. And I knew that it would be good for like, it's good for business, right? Uh, he, he, he has all this publicity already. He's a name everybody knows already. So like, you know, I, I wanted Victor Wimbanyama for selfish reasons, but I, I do have to have injury concerns. He would legitimately be probably the first person of his size to have a long NBA career. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like these guys get hurt. Like uh, your body just isn't, meant to be seven foot five and play an 82 game season. And, you know, he hasn't even really started like, you know, putting weight on and stuff like you don't know how that kind of stuff is going to affect his body, the wear and tear, mm -hmm. you know, it, it's just a lot of question marks. So I was perfectly okay with falling in number two. I thought we needed a guy like Scoot Henderson on the team. I think there's even room for a guy like Brandon Miller on the team. Um, I do like the Thompson twins a lot because of the fact that I think that they have, um, their athleticism is just really intriguing, but I do think that is a longer term play than yeah. I think you can ask who Henderson right now. And I think that he just has a little bit more savvy to his game and he has a little more pace. Uh, I think he can come right in and, and kind of step in and give you what you want uh, for the most part at the point guard position. Whereas Amon Thompson, I feel like he's going to come in and he still, he, you know, even though he is probably, you know, the, from the time he steps in the league, he's probably one of the best athletes in the NBA, but I feel like, you know, going to OTE, um, I don't know. It just looks to me like he he he's gonna yeah. it's gonna be a longer process for him to get him to where you want him to be. But the the upside swing there is just it's tremendous. Um, and then like you said, I do like Anthony Black. So like another thing I I I was getting into it with people earlier in the season was uh you know at one point in time Nick Smith Jr. was a guy who people saw as a higher rated prospect than Anthony Black. And then as the season progressed, I think Nick Smith kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of flipped, right? But like, I was, a, I was all Anthony Black from the beginning. Like when they from from the beginning of the season, uh, to even what I saw an attorney, I was just like, you know, Anthony Black to me looked like the looked like the guy who was more NBA ready, and he looked like a guy who was who would be able to help you out in multiple ways. Um, I was a little surprised he tested out really well as far as like his his vertical leap. You know, I didn't know he could, I didn't know he could get up like that. <laughs> like, um, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, so he so people. He was a former football player. He was a former four-star recruit wide receiver. So the athleticism is, is definitely there. He's, he's a little too tall to play wide receiver now, but he is a former four-star recruit. So he's he's athletic in a lot of different ways as far as, you know, just jumping, quickness, being able to run up and down the floor. So I think that's one reason why I think he's so intriguing to me. And then it's just him always being compared. He's tough. You know, football players are tough. So he's going to get his hands dirty, defend, and do those other little things. Yes, his, def he, his defense kind of really stood out to me uh, this season. And even in the tournament, even when he wasn't, like, necessarily, like, uh, scoring a ball like he wanted to see him, he, he was still he was still engaged defensively. 
And that's what you want. You want a guy who's going to be able to contribute in multiple ways, even when their jumper isn't going down. Uh, like he was out there and he, he to me, like I, I'm, I'm pretty high on Anthony Black. I just, you know, like we said, we, we're just kind of like speculating on what they be, can become. But I see a lot of good things uh, with him. I think he can play multiple positions. And like you said, he's tough. And, and that's something that the Rockets definitely need. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I would pick him at four. But right. I, I definitely wouldn't be mad. Like so, so here's another thing. You talked about trading up. I mean, there's a scenario where maybe they could trade back and get something or get multiple picks, and I'd be comfortable with like taking a couple picks later than that, along with something else. Um, and then uh, another guy you said, Cam Whitmore. Uh, he, like you said, everybody was super high on Cam coming into the season, and then he kind of didn't like kind of live up to those yeah. expectations, but. Um, this is a weird draft. There's just so many guys that you just like get somebody that is not top five is going to end up being one of the best players in this draft. Like I, I like Casey Wallace. I think Casey Wallace is a good, uh, you know, point of attack defender. I think that, you know, like he, he brings a lot to the table too. So there's just a lot of there's Taylor Hendricks. Like you said, like that, that's a guy who like, he looks like he could be like a freak in the NBA. Like if he puts it all together, but yeah, those are, those are kind of the guys that I like right now. Well, I want to ask the buyers. I mean, of course, the Rockets were at four. I mean, are you sold on anyone? Just absolutely, the Rockets need to stay at the number four position. Don't worry about trading up. Or would are you, would you be more inclined to try to trade up and try to get a Scoot Henderson um, if that you know opportunity presents itself? Or are you just fine staying with the Rockets staying at four and you have that much confidence in a Armin Thompson or someone like that to where? You wouldn't even think about, you know, worrying about trying to trade up and in the process of moving assets, you know, to move up a couple of spots. I would definitely consider the notion of moving that pick because it's weird. So you see Harden's talking about potentially coming back. So yeah. let's just say Harden's on the team right now. You have Harden, KPJ, Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Sagoon. Yeah. That's odd to me. Somebody probably has to go. In out of that group, I think we know who I'm talking about. And out of that group of four, so at that point, then the, the, the question would be: Is what could you even get for him if you wanted to trade him? Which you could you add him to the? Could you maybe add him with the fifth pick? I don't know if I would do that. So it's kind of it's kind of odd what, what what you the possibilities here. But I would definitely consider if I would have to give up a ton to move up even maybe like one spot, I would consider it. But if not, I think you I think you would probably have to stay there. And I would probably take a upside pick and maybe and maybe maybe a Thompson because you because you can't get Henry because you have Jabari there you don't need a center at the five and LP you have a scorer and shoot and, uh, Green so I would probably go long term upside and and uh, Thompson would probably be uh, the pick there for me. If you could if you um, if you could pick a, between like one of the Thompson twins and Brandon Miller for the Rockets who do you think has a who's a who's a better fit? Not just now, but maybe even maybe even long term. Like who who would you pick if it was your if it was your decision? Miller and Thompson. I would definitely pick Brandon Miller in my opinion. If he if I would for sure get it. The issue is the Hornets. They need or they don't need another guard. So yeah. I would if I was the Hornets, I would probably go Miller at two just based on necessity. Okay. Yeah, what if what if some what if someone told what if someone said to you um, that they don't think it's a like sometimes you it's not always a good idea to draft for fit. Are you saying this is a good fit pick, or are you saying that you think that Brandon Miller, you know, is is a good fit, and you believe that he's going to be really good in the future? I, I think for them, I, I think you, I think it will be both. I think they need a wing. And I think he fits what they need. You drafting, so they draft Scoot. You got Scoot, Lamelo, 
Um, and they have a bunch. They have a bunch of guards on their team. They drafted yeah. in the past yeah. three years. Some of them, some of them aren't ready yet. But it's the fact you drafted with three, four guards in a row, and then you sign guards as well. Like Terry Rozier is on the roster, so yeah. you would have to get scoot then move probably two of them. So I mean, that they could very well do that. And the Hornets, you know, they're they they they've been here before. They they drive in the top three every year. They, they, this is this isn't anything new to them, but that would just makes things more difficult. So I think Miller for them would make the most sense. Oh no, okay, yeah. So I'm just saying about as far as Almond Thompson, do you think that it's a little bit overblown with his shooting concerns? Do you think he can eventually become a better shooter? Or do you think that that's something that's a you know, can possibly hold him back when he gets to the next level? I think he can develop be a better shooter, I guess. For me is who did they really play in that league? Yeah. You know, you know, and and, and he they're they're really they're really talented. That's not me knocking the players. There's some good players in there for sure, but it's just as a collective, play like the same four teams pretty much every time. Whereas in college, you get to see a bigger, much body of work. Then too, we really couldn't watch them like that. They don't they don't come on TV. It's really kind of hard to watch them at times. So they're they're really talented. I think that um they'll be successful. I think that it'll be something he has to work on going forward. Um, he's a great athlete. Sometimes they tend to rely on athleticism a lot early on. I think as he continues to develop, he'll have to become more well-rounded, and shooting will definitely be a part of the team, especially the way with a young team that likes to run up and down the floor. He's going to have to be able to make shots. Yeah, I mean, I think I guess that's the biggest thing when it comes with the Rockets because, <clears throat> excuse me, the Rockets, of course, were one of the worst shooting teams that have been in the last two or three years, and now you're bringing in another player um, that can possibly have, have an issue, you know, shooting from beyond the arc. So, I mean, just o- overall, um, when you're talking about the, the Thompson twins, you're talking about Anthony Black, um, are there any other players that you think can possibly jump up into the top five that maybe nobody's talking about right now? I think Taylor I think Taylor Hendricks would be an option. I think that he's one. I really like his game a lot. I think people, when they start, go back and look at this tape, I think he'll be one that um, – I mean, like the Rock, the Rockets wouldn't pick him, but I think another team, maybe somebody moves up and moves down. I think someone, I could see them taking him because I remember a couple of weeks ago they had him going like mid lottery, maybe even like high as ten. But I've seen other boards for him going like six. So I could easily see him going up another spot or two. And one more thing, I mean, I just wanted to ask you about. I mean, do you think that his athletic ability and his playmaking ability? Do you think that ultimately? Um, kind of outweighs his shooting problems and that the fact that the Rockets are, would be perfectly fine with him. And do you think that he's more of a project or do you think he can kind of make an immediate impact like like players like Keegan Murray did last year? Um, do you think that it would just take you know two or three years for him to make that impact You know, on, on a Rockets team that, of course, is still rebuilding, but they're looking to win starting next season? You saw my one of the Thompsons? Uh, yeah, like yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know if he would. The, the, so the issue you even saw, last, I mean, they have a different coach, so it's not fair for me to yeah. judge him early, but you saw the issue last year was sometimes Jabari just didn't get enough shots. Some of that could have yeah. been his own fault, too, because he doesn't want to bang in the post. He wants to shoot outside jumpers. But it's tough if you have a KPJ, a Jalen Green, and a Jabari. You add a Harden to that team, that makes it even worse. So what you drafting another wing – where are these shots coming from? You know, they, and I'm sure they would figure it out, but just on paper, in my mind, I can just imagine him being the fourth, fifth option from the jump. He's probably not going to have enough shots or even reps to even show, you know, showcase some of that, some of that ability. So I think 
that's that's why if I was him, I get pardoned. I I get it, but he he doesn't he doesn't fit the timeline of what they're trying to do. Everyone's super young on that team. Why would you want to bring a another thirty year old over here? He's gonna have he's gonna demand the ball. I would just yeah. keep it young and just continue to grow everything. That's what I would do if, if I was just. Yeah, it's funny you said that. Like, I, I was okay with uh, Harden coming back 100% if we got Wimbanyama, just because now you need a veteran point guard who can facilitate and get Wimby shots where he needs to get them. Uh, now, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be really tricky, especially when a lot of the guys that you bring in, like you said, are going to be like a wing. Uh, one, one other thing I wanted to ask you about the Thompson Twins before we move off of that, though, like, I, I have ran into some people who think that Osar is actually the the guy. Like he he's not the he's not as flashy as his brother, but a lot of people think that he might be a better pro. What, what is your opinion on on the two twins? Which one do you think is going to ultimately be be a better pro? I think Osar is probably more steady. He's probably like his floor might be a little high. I think he's just more steady at the moment. But I mean, I mean, if he Pops and develop what he we could be talking about, you know, maybe a few multi time all star because every, every everything that he can do so well. But um, I'm I'll probably I'll probably go I'll probably go with 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 the mean at the mean at the moment. Um, it's just this higher upside. You're taking a risk, so if you want to, I'm gonna take a risk. I'm gonna take a big risk. I think he would probably be the riskier pick, but the upside there is a little bit higher in my opinion. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with it too. I think uh, as far as the things that that he does not do well right now is shooting and it's, it's, it's crazy because we're always like, okay, we can improve a guy shooting. And sometimes you see it get improved and then sometimes they just never end up shooting, but he's a guy who like, if he can just become halfway respectable from a, from shooting anywhere on the floor, I think, I think he'll be like, he'll be, he'll be really tough to defend because he, he is super explosive. He can jump out the gym. He can like make all the passes. So yeah, like if I have to pick one, I'm I'm definitely I'm definitely going with 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 I'm in for him. Yeah, and uh, of course that's the top of draft. I wanted to move on to the Rockets. I actually have a uh, number twenty pick. Um, I mean, there's a chance that they could package that with the, in number four and try to move up. But for now, they do have the number twenty pick. And so I want to kind of get your what's the range of player that Rockets fans could you know expect to be around at that time is. Is a Derek Lively still around at the time? I mean, more than likely, probably going before that, or Derek Whitehead, or Nick Smith. So, what's some of the players that you think will be around that, you know, fifteen to twenty-five range to where the Rockets uh, may have a chance to pick up? Um, I think Keon. You said between fifteen, I can see a Keontae George, Jordan Hawkins from uh, UConn, Bryce Sensenball from Ohio State. Um, I think Derek Lively will be there too. Derek Whitehead will be another one there. Um, it'll be probably guys around that range, Jed Howard, another shooter. At that point, I would just go specialist. So, if you, like you said, you're going to have an issue with the Thompson turn who can't shoot, it's fine. We can maybe double back and get a Jed Howard, a shooter, by saying about to make shots. I would look to get someone, Jordan Hawkins. I don't think he'll be there, but if he is, I would love to go get a guy like that, especially. I know at the bare minimum, he'll be a shooter that can come off the bench, at the bare minimum. And he's athletic. So, I would look to get a guy like that if you have to get a at the moment, a non-shooter and a Thompson twin. And I wanted to ask you about Derek Lively because he's another one of those guys that, you know, before the season started, you know, everybody was talking about him. He was one of the, the, the higher potential draft picks, and then he kind of fell off a little bit last season. And at that point, of course, the Rockets not getting Wimbyama. They still have Afrin Shangun. And one of their biggest issues last year was they really didn't have a backup center that can really come in and help out, you know, on the boards or really just do anything – 
outside of what they already had with Shangoon. So what do you think of a Derek Lively? Do you think he's a player that can make an impact like a Mark Williams uh, type player next season? I think he's going to be a developmental big, you know, offensively, probably not going to do a ton, but he will rim protect. I guess for me at 20, uh, let's, let's say he's there. I would probably lean to go get me a veteran big. I would just spend the, the spend a couple dollars and see if I can get me a veteran big. One that'll help LP's development as well, because you're young. But I think in the case with a big man, especially someone that times as LP, I would like to get a veteran big behind him and let him teach Jones some things, developmental piece like that. But Lonzo is a solid pick. I know at the bare minimum he'll rebound and he'll run the floor. So I just think if you draft him, what is he? I don't know how much he'll be able to contribute to you early on. You might even see him maybe couple couple games in the G League here and there. I can I can see that early on. So I would probably go specialist shooter, or I would sign a big at at that point if if he's still on the on the on the board. What you think about Whitehead? Because he was he was a guy who he was like wasn't he like the number one ranked player yeah, on some on one. some uh, sites? Uh, like what happened to him? Uh, injuries. He got hurt, I believe, at least twice. He, he, got, he got hurt a lot. He started off the season hurt. He played a couple games and got hurt again. He's super talented, though. I loved watching him in high school. I thought he was really talented. He had the potential to be one of those guys. I think that um, if he can stay healthy and, you know, he's in the teens or 20s, maybe a playoff team gets him, I think they'd be very lucky to have him. I think that he could be a player down the road that'll be successful because a playoff team, you know, they won't rush him to be on the floor. They'll, he'll be able to learn and be able to develop. So if someone can get him that 20 range, even even the Rockets, for example, I think you're getting a good player right there. Yeah, he's a guy, like, I have my fingers crossed that, it, like, if he slides, like, I feel like you got to take him, even if yeah, even I mean, if Lively's there. And I've been kind of on the Lively bandwagon just because I do want, uh, I do want, like, a rim runner, like, guy that's going to catch lives, block shots, lock the paint down. Uh, he, he's he's super skinny right now, Lively is. And so, like like you said, he may, he may have to take the, like, the Clint Capella route that first season as far as like getting stronger, figuring out how to play the game. But um, I'd love to have him in the, in the program, man, and then just get him up to speed, like you said, but also bringing in like a guy like Brooke Lopez or, you know, yeah. like you said, like a vet, a vet big that can, that can like really help Shingun out and also like provide defenses. It's probably the way that like, if they really, if they're really trying to win, that is the, that's what they need to do. But uh, right. as far as like that, that 20th pick, like I'd love to get one of those guys from Duke for sure. Yep. Now, I want to ask you about, uh, of course, a, a lot a player that a lot of people in Houston know very well. Not necessarily that the Rockets would you know, be going after him, but what do you think of a Marcus Sasser? I mean, I know he's a little bit undersized. He's more of a, a combo guard. Um, but, of course, he's one of the, the better shooters in the draft. But what's kind of your overall opinion of Marcus Sasser? And do you see him going probably uh, later in the first round? I like Marcus Sasser. I think I was having a conversation with someone about this before. Guards like him that are undersized, that are buckets, they tend they need to go to a team that's dealt with those type of players before. You look at like the Clippers with Lou Williams, the Rockets have had Lou Williams, the Hawks have had Lou Williams. Players, even the Nuggets have had a guy like um uh what's my what, what's my boy play for the um play for the um Clippers now. Um oh, Bones Highland. Bones, Bones, Bones oh, Highland. Oh, players like that. Because what happens is you'll have a player like him that go to a team that just doesn't know how to use them and they struggle, but Can't I can yeah, see he needs to go to a team that's had a player like him before, so they, they know how to put him in situations to be successful. He's a good player. He can shoot it. He can score. And I think guys, I think teams, they need guys that can come off the bench and that's just their job. You can come off the bench and score and make shots. 
I think that he could be one of those players. I could see him slipping into a late first round scenario. This draft's weird. It's all over the board. I could see someone taking a chance on him. I'm glad you brought up UH, Lashar, because we we disrespected Jarris Walker. No, we completely hey, no disrespect. Like I I'm I really like Jarris Walker. I didn't I thought that he he measured shorter than I would have liked. Yeah. Um you, what, know, uh, the, you know barefoot. He met, yeah. he measured like six six, but he has like a seven two wingspan. And he was like two hundred and forty eight pounds. So uh yeah, I mean he's he's he is not, you know, he does not have prototypical height, but um, defensively, man, that dude was a monster in college, and they're saying that he has some stuff to his offense that we didn't really see, like, tap into, you know, at UH. So, yeah, he's a guy that I really like a lot. I'm I'm, I'm sorry I forgot about him when we were talking about, like, that yeah, guy early. He, he's, he's one that I don't – people will see that he's actually a very underrated pass. He can make – he actually can make decisions with the ball in his hand, especially in the low post or at the top of the key. I don't think we got to see that much at U of A, but that's something that he does. Um, he does well. The jumper is not bad. He can make mid-range jumpers. Um, he, he's an interesting prospect. I, I want to see where he goes. Fit will be important for him, like it is for most of these guys. But he's a good player, and he was he's coached super well at U of H. I like him. Yeah, I mean, of course, yeah. Like I don't know how we just totally overlooked him. <laughs> There's a chance that a lot of people I saw some of my drafts have him going maybe five or six. So he would definitely be one of the the highest U of H draft pick probably since what a large one. I don't think there's been a, another U of H draft pick that's been in the top ten that I can remember. No, Maybe I I'll forget right. somebody, mm-hmm. but I think he's. So, I think Elijah's been the last one. Um, I want to also ask you: uh, Are there any players that may been may have been projected going in the second round to the late first round that maybe nobody's talking about that you really like that you think that can really have an impact on the team next year? Um. I need to see where they have Jalen Wilson. I think Jalen Wilson is one. He probably he, he he might be a first round pick. I can see him falling in the late in the late teens. He's one that I really really like for sure. Um, I'm still waiting for some of these guys to make decisions. You know, you're looking like a like a like a Bona, a uh, Julian Phillips, Kobe Brown. Those guys can go back. Bobby Clinton's another one. They, all those guys can go back. So, but I guess one that stands up to me is Brandon Pozemiski from Santa Clara. I think he's really good in the stories big time. He was at Illinois for a year. Didn't really play. He just he was one of the few that was smart and he decided to transfer down a level. He was one of the best players in that league and he's gonna be he's gonna get drafted in a couple of months. So I think that he could be a guy that comes off the bench, super high IQ, can shoot that three ball, and I think he could be a guy that could uh, come in and be impactful as, as a second rounder. I got a guy that that is kind of controversial, a controversial name. Um he, he he can't jump high. <laughs> he doesn't. He has a like. I think he has a negative wingspan. Uh, like Amani Bates. Like, what, yeah. what do you think about that dude, man? Because like he was supposed to be like this really, really like you know. They people were throwing around. He he might be like a top first pick in the draft. You know, a few years ago, and then all that stuff came out about oh his vertical was like twenty something. You know, and then yeah. his, his his wingspan was like less yeah. than his his height yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so. And then he he had that that rocky uh, freshman season over at Memphis. Um, what do what do you think about him? Like, do you do you think he's going to be successful on the pro level? He's super talented. For him, it just got to be all about his mindset. One, I think him going to a team with a good culture will really help him. I think help him you know help him grow up in some ways. He needs to be around good guys. Putting him on a team with youngsters, I don't think he needs to do that. I think he needs to go to a team where they're older. They're going to put their arm around him and show him this is how you become a pro. Because the talent's there. I mean, he was the number one player in high school for a reason. 
then they started bringing up things like you said, it don't really matter. Yeah, his arms are short. <laughs> okay, I mean, sure, his hands are small. Okay, I mean, sure, but the talent is there. I just think he needs to go to the right situation, and I think he can. I think he can be successful. And I mean, you know, he shot. I can't believe what he shot from three. But he shot it well from three. At the bare minimum, we can see him as maybe a backup shooter. You could, I think you could. You could even see him doing that in some way. He'll be more time than a traditional shooter, but I could see him fitting into a role like that. And the blue, the blueprint is out there. We see a guy over at Memphis. Who who has a negative wingspan and that dude is a knockdown shooter, Desmond Bain. Yeah, so yes, he is. Yeah, so like you know, we we put a lot of stock in these things that that you know they mean something. But at the end of the day, like if you can hoop, you can hoop, and and that's yeah. one of the things I was just kind of curious what we your opinion on him. Yeah. And before we get you know to the end of the show, I want to ask you first, of course, Rockets have so many young players on their team, so I know a lot of these players that you definitely have you know watched over the years. What was kind of your opinion of the Rockets this this past season? Did you see the improvement that you thought you would see in players like Jalen Green? And, of course, we saw Jabari Smith um, play a lot better toward the end of the season. But did you did you see the the improvement that you wanted to see from the, the young players on the Rockets like that Jalen Green and Jabari Smith? I saw it definitely from Jalen Green. He's gotten, he's gotten much better. And he has a savvy of, like, a star player in this league. So I definitely like to see. I like to see. I like to saw. Well, I liked what I saw from him as far as he got better. And Jabari, he got he played better as the season ended. I wanted to see him be able to score more in a variety of ways and less as a jump shooter because, I mean, he's big. He's 6'10", 6'11". You, have, you can't back down a little guard sometimes. So I want to see him see him tap back, tap into his game because he, he should be able to score just easy points just around the rim because he's so athletic and talented. So you look at switches. You don't put guards on him sometimes in the switch. He should be able to just punish defenders doing that. So – for him, I think that's just the next step. Yeah, we know you can shoot or you at least want to shoot. Work on, you know, diversifying your full game. I think that's when you'll be able to see him. They have a new coach. I think strategy was an issue, too. They didn't put him sometimes in, in ways that he could succeed. So, with the new coach, I think that'll definitely uh, help him going into next season. Man, Tobias, he's spitting, dog. Like, with, with Jabari, one of the things, like, when he when I saw him started going down in that, in that post and operating from the elbow and doing stuff like that, and you know, playing more like like a Rasheed Wallace type of game, or or you know, getting those shots in the same area where Lamarcus Aldridge used to get his shots, in them same areas where Kevin Garnett used to get his shots. Then I started getting excited because like at first I thought we just had like this three and three and D six uh, ten dude who wasn't really like shooting threes. And then I saw I was like, okay, some of the stuff that he was doing in college does translate to the NBA. Like he's just turning and he's shooting over these dudes like they're not even there. And so that that made me re- that made me really excited about like his prospects going forward. I'm glad that you said Jalen Green improved. A lot of people keep telling they keep trying to uh, point to like yeah his 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 true shooting percentage went down a little bit. And I'm like he's getting shots completely differently from the way he got shots last year. Last year he played a lot more off ball. This year he was like required more more often than he probably should have been to like create his own shot with negative spacing. <laughs> on a on a team who was the worst three point shooting team in the NBA, and, yeah, and he's, and he's out there like you know as a guy who like I wouldn't say his handle was like a strong point of his game coming into the his rookie year, and then last year you saw him cooking. He was actually out there. He was kind of getting to the basket at will a lot of times. Um, he uses escape dribble. Um, he was backing up and like it, it was just one of those things where I, I saw growth in him. It, maybe it wasn't reflected in the percentages. But the way he was playing, other than the bad shots and the, you know, some of the stuff that he did that that I feel like can be coached out of him, um, I thought that he he definitely like 
took some took some strides as far as like growing his game. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, definitely. And one more question before we wrap up the show. Um, you talk to a lot of you know college and high school coaches. You talk to um, scouts. You talk to um, agents. Um, a, a big thing has been made, especially with the video of Wimiyama, you know, kind of pumping his fist that the Rockets were going four instead of number one. What's kind of been a perception around the people that you've been talking to as far as the Rockets? Because, I mean, we've heard a lot of people say about the Rockets culture being bad, um, but you actually talk to a lot of people that are coaching these young guys that are possibly going into the NBA. So what's kind of been the perception you've been kind of hearing around, you know, as you've been going from like city to city? I just think they're young, man. They just got to grow up. I think that's just, if you have a young team, they're super young. I think we're the second or third youngest team in the NBA. Yeah. And you have some different personalities in there. I think that plays a role into it. They just, I think they need veterans. They need new leadership. And they did that. They have a new coach in there. He's been around, he's been, he's been successful. He was successful with, you know, with the, uh, with the, he went to an NBA championship. So I think that the overall respect for him will come in there and change. You know, he might have to come in there and, and get rid of some guy. That just might, that might be what it is. He might have to do that. So if that's the case, I think they'll help them grow up fast and them being coached hard. I think they'll just help them grow up. But they're young, man. I mean, they're kids. They're, these dudes are 21, 22 years old. Yes. Are you, 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 I mean, do we, do we think that Charlotte's co- culture was the best? Probably not. Do we think Detroit's culture? Probably not. That they're young. That's just, that's just how it is. They're, they're young millionaires. They're, they'll grow up and they'll be fine. I just think they need a new leadership, and they got that. This is why you cannot convince me that uh, Wimby wasn't Rhea going to San Antonio. <laughs> I think the NBA, they they were like, you know what? And, and I get it. I don't like it because it, it affects my team. But it's like I feel like they they feel like they have to protect their 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 product. And like, who is a bigger name in basketball? Uh, you know, moving forward than Victor Wembanyama. You have LeBron James who's about to retire. Kevin Durant is about to retire soon. Uh, all of these guys who've been kind of, you know, holding holding the torch and you know for all these years are on their way out of the league. And Victor Wembanyama is the next big thing. So I, I you know, he kind of got steered to an organization that is, uh, you know, is reputable. You know, you have Greg Popovich there. Everybody loves Pop. You know, he's considered one of the yeah. yeah, you got the French connection. Like I just think it was like the perfect storm. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, him going to San Antonio just made sense. And you know, that's all I'm gonna say about that. I think it made sense. I mean, Boris Diaw owns the team that he played for this year. Yeah. Tony Parker has mentored him since he was a kid, and Tony Parker also was a co-owner of the team he played for last year. So, I mean, the, the, the connections just the connections run deep. I think that the Spurs um, they develop they develop players very well, super especially foreign players. So, I think that it was just like you said, it was a perfect storm of things. Um, yeah, that's all. That's all. That's, that's all, all we can say. Yeah. That's all we can yeah. say, Tobias. Yeah. But like when you when you have a multi billion dollar business, I think you're gonna do. You know, you you, you might so frozen frozen envelope type thing. You type might do thing. something to protect your investment. <laughs> like Victor Wembanyama, you know, potentially is going to be the face of the league in a, in a couple of years. Yeah. And you know, do you want to send him to Charlotte, where you have like nah. yeah yeah. Do you want to send him to Detroit? Sure about to take over? You know, unfortunately, even though Houston has been a good franchise, right now we have this reputation of not being one. Or do you want to send him to San Antonio where there's Greg Popovich? And like you said, there's all these connections to Boris Diaw and, and, and Tony Parker and, all you know, all of these other things. Like it just it, – in, in retrospect, now that I've had a few days to really think about it, it just made sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah, Definitely. Uh, before we wrap it up, uh, Tobias, again, let everybody know where they can find you know, all your great content. 
Uh, you can follow my content at The Athletic. Uh, we have a bunch of stories coming out as the draft approaches us rather quickly. We'll have a bunch of mock drafts, player analysis on some of these players, and I'll even get a couple of college coaches to chime in on majority of the prospects in this draft. They'll be breaking down their games and talking about how they think they'll be successful at the next level. And again, I appreciate you coming on. You know, every draft season, you're definitely one of the first people I love bringing on, you know, talking about a lot of stuff that, you know, you know a lot more about the draft process or the players that are coming into the draft. Because, I mean, you watch them beyond just their college or them playing in, you know, with the G League at night. You've been watching them ever since high school, probably even before that with some of them. So I definitely love bringing you on because you you give great insight to stuff that we know we may not be paying attention to. You know, especially during the season, you know, while the Rockets are playing. So definitely appreciate you coming on. No problem, man. Bring me on whenever you like. Oh, man, absolutely, absolutely. Hey, of course, I always, as always, my coach, I appreciate you joining me, Vader. Oh, of course, man. I, like I said, uh, anytime you need me, I'm here. And, like, Tobias, great, great stuff, man. Uh, all of us guys who, who are watching these YouTube videos and we think we know we know everything <laughs> there is to know about these guys, we, you're actually in the building. And yep. we need we need uh, more perspectives like yours because like I, I deal with these dudes every day and you know we we watched a couple hours of YouTube videos on a guy and we think scouts. we're experts. <laughs> 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 we think we know more than the, than the than the NBA scouts after a couple hours. Yeah. So like like what Char said, definitely appreciate you. I appreciate. It. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's gonna do it for today's show. We're gonna have a lot more draft talk coming up because we have you know a little bit of time before. We actually get around to draft time, so uh, we definitely have more draft coverage. We appreciate everybody that joins us every week that supports our channel and checks out our YouTube videos. So make sure you check us out for our next episode of Rocket Fuel Podcast, and we will check you later. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.